Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. And my name is Duffy Henderson and I'm your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and the benefit of God's people. And here we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. So if you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in today, and may the Lord bless this episode particular and uh, greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. And I am looking forward to today's episode greatly. Um, It's been several months since we've had Dr. Annual um, on. We had him on um, last summer to talk about some Um, Reformed Theology and Baptists, and today we've got him on talking about a completely different subject, and one that um, I hold dear. Um, I'm a father of five, and we've got Jared Haygood here with us today. He's on staff, one of our elders at Believers. Um, He's got four children, and both of us are homeschool dads, and we have a passion for the home and uh, the nurture and admonition of our children within the life of the church. And so, Jared, um, welcome, first of all, for you. Uh, thanks for joining me today on the podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here and excited to talk about this topic because it's de- definitely dear dear to my heart, for sure. Yes, yes. And again, um, uh, Dr. Annual is back with us. Dr. Annual, how are you doing today? Doing well, yeah. yeah joy to be with you guys again. It's very good to have you back on. And I know that this um, particular topic is very dear to your heart as well. You've written on it much. Um, you've spoken on it much. Um, I know that you've done some conferences r- regarding this topic, yep. and uh, this is something that you've done a lot of work in for the people of local churches, for believers, and for for Christian families who want to um, put a strong emphasis on the raising up of their children um, in the Lord. And so, first yes. of all, before we jump into all of that. Um, tell us, you are now uh, not quite a year in Atlanta, right? Or have you been there? No, over a year. We we well, we moved here October of twenty one. So. Oh, okay, okay. I had forgotten about yep. that. Um, but mm-hmm. I know there's lots of good things going on. Um, you are. What's your official role at G three? So I'm executive vice president and editor in chief. Yes, yes. Is um, my official title. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a mouthful there. <laughs> We've- yeah, so just uh, helping to provide some sort of administrative oversight, and then you know a lot of what, what I'm doing is just helping with the content production as as G3 expands from just being conferences, which we're still doing. In fact, we're we're doing more conferences uh, now than just one a year. Um, but then we're also publishing books, blog articles, video resources, several podcasts now just trying to provide resources for, for Christians and local churches. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. I, I love to, for you to talk for just a minute and just um, anyone that's listening to this episode, um, share with them some exciting things going on with G3 ministries. Um, yeah, just absolutely. A couple of things that you might want to promote. <clears throat> sure. Yeah. So we've got uh, several events coming up. Uh, we've got a, a worship workshop, biblical worship workshop coming up in May in Junction City, Kansas, and uh, th- those are uh, great opportunities for pastors, for church leaders, those involved in worship leadership to think biblically about worship, and then uh, particularly on how to f- to shape a worship service 
that's shaped by the gospel and by the uh, the sermon of the day. And so we we usually do uh, two of those a year. We got one of those coming up. Uh, we have our national conference coming up in September, September 21st through 23rd. Uh, that's going to be a fantastic conference themed on the sovereignty of God. And uh, many of the speakers that uh, people have come to know are regularly at G3 will be there. Of course, Josh Virgil and I will be there. Vody Bauckham, Paul Washer, Steve Lawson, uh, and so uh, m- many others uh, that have all been announced there on the website. So that's uh, always a wonderful opportunity here in Atlanta. So those are some of the events that are that are coming up. Super. And I, I saw on uh, social media the other day, you've got a new resource being published uh, in the yeah. Psalms. Would you care to share just a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's already on pre-order through G3 Press. Uh, it's a book on the Psalms. It's called Musing on God's Music, Forming Hearts of Praise with the Psalms. And uh, this is, this is a, along with family worship, which we'll talk about here in a moment, the issue of the Psalms is another uh, topic that's been of burden to me over the last several years. I taught classes on the Psalms when I was at Southwestern Seminary and have just grown in my love for the Psalms and my conviction that we ought to be singing the Psalms and not just a few select Psalms, but we really need all 150 Psalms. And I'm convinced most Christians today don't sing the Psalms because they don't understand the Psalms. Mm. And so a large part of the book is to help believers today understand two primary things. One, the the intentional organization of the 150 psalms into five books with a with particular themes and purposes in mind i think most christians don't realize that and then second the purpose and power power of the poetry why why do we sing why did god choose to communicate his truth not just in sort of didactic literature and narrative literature, but also in poetry. And so I spent a lot of time uh, sort of working through that as well. So uh, it's on pre-order right now at g3min.org. Encourage people to go pre-order it because the price will never be this low. Uh, sound like a salesman, but uh, <laughs> and uh, it, the book should be out uh, early May. So really excited about that resource. Very, very neat. Yeah, yeah and good. That's, that's wonderful, man. All right, well, let's jump into our book. Uh, that we're going to talk about today. So uh, for the listener, uh, we're going to be referencing Scott's book, Let the Little Children Come. And this was published by Free Grace Press. This came out, what, two years ago, maybe something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Fairly summer of, uh, yep, summer 21. 21. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I remember seeing this when it first came out um, through, you know, social media posts and things, but it didn't register with me about what the importance of it would be, or the, it just didn't zing. So I was like, oh, this is cool. But it, I didn't, you know, pick it up or anything. So I, I came across this last year, um, not the year that it came out. And it just was, I was like, man, why hasn't something like this been written before? And I had read through Vody Bauckham's stuff. Um, one of the most impactful mm-hmm. books for me and my wife, we read through it several years ago, was Family Driven Faith by Vody Bauckham. Mm-hmm. And that honestly, uh, gave my wife and I a paradigm shift in our minds about how we parent our children in the home, but also, you know, the, the interplay in the Christian family or in the Christian life between the home and the church, um, how that connects. And it's such an important, and that's really what the topic today on the episode will be just talking about letting the little children come with your book title. It's a wonderful title, but that's not just talking about bringing your kids to church. 
um, more of a, an invitation to bring them along, to let them come with you on your spiritual journey as a parent and bringing them with you, um, uh, carrying them on your back, so to speak, along with, with you to bring them to Jesus, right? Um, and, and many or, 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 or like Scott said, the uh, not just the Sunday, but the the, the other uh, six days, the other six days. Yeah, I love right. that. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so really quickly, uh, just to kind of kick this off. I think I already know this, but why did you why did you write this? Did something happen maybe in your yeah. personal life that maybe someone asked, hey, is there a resource? And you're like, I don't really know of one. So I'm going to make one or just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. I had sort of several reasons that kind of converged into the writing of this book. Um, I mean, one, just for my wife and I, we've got four kids from the time, you know, Caleb, our oldest was born. He's now 16. Um, but we had a we had a real desire to to lead our children in daily family worship, and also to bring them along with us in the context of the church, and see them grow up, obviously, to know Christ, but also in intentionally teaching our children how to worship, what biblical worship is. And so we sort of always had that as an emphasis in our family. And when I was teaching at, at Southwestern Seminary, um, I, I was given an invitation to give a lecture in the library. There was kind of a lecture series and I had a bunch of students in my office and I asked them, Hey, what, you know, what topic should I speak on? And, you know, I, I teach on worship, history and theology of worship. I expected them to, to pick something like, you know, the theology of worship or, you know, something, something along those lines. And I was shocked that they all like unanimously very quickly said, we want to hear you talk about family worship. And so that's sort of how it began. And I realized, you know, there are good resources about family worship that have been written. A lot of them, though, are written from a Presbyterian uh, presupposition. In yes. other words, we baptize our children. Our children are part of the covenant community. And so, of course, we're going to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the yes. Lord, and we're going to bring them to corporate worship. And there's a lot of good in, in those books. But written from a Presbyterian presupposition that, you know, we, I have different presuppositions as a Baptist, and there aren't really any books written on this topic without having that, pre, that presupposition of, of infant baptism. So I would say my book, certainly Presbyterians would appreciate it, but I wrote it specifically to, to make a biblical case for family worship on Sunday and the other six days too, that is rooted in scripture and rooted in a lot of the principles I lay out, but but not the presupposition of children being part of the covenant community by means of baptism. So that really was a, a gap that I saw mm. uh, that needed to be filled. And then the other thing too is there are books about family worship at home, and there are books about the importance of bringing children you know, into corporate worship in, in the church. But those those two topics often seem to be separated and sometimes even to the neglect of each other. So I, you, you see some some circles emphasizing family integration and, and the importance of family almost to the neglect of the importance of the church, where family right. becomes so important and the church is minimized. Right. And so I wanted to make a biblical case that both of these are God-ordained yeah. and necessary to work together, that uh, that family is important and parents have been given important responsibilities, but we cannot do it 
without the church. And so kind of, you know, arguing for the the convergence of these two God-ordained institutions of family and church. Yeah, that's really good. Jared, do you want to pop good. in there? Any any comments or anything like that? No, I I, I agree with Scott in that um I, I've I've seen what he's talking about with uh whether it's articles or uh people talking online where it's the uh the polar opposite you talk about where yes, we believe in family, but we also believe in the local church and and uh, and how those two two work together. So I, I definitely yep. I've seen that and agree with that. Yeah, so Scott, there's um what I really love about the opening of the book is that you you kind of use this concept, this trifold concept of to know, obey, and to love God. And that is the um the over, I think that's the overarching philosophy, biblical philosophy standpoint that you have, that that's the, yeah. the desire that the parent ought to have, the Christian parent ought to have a desire to help their children to know, obey, and to love God, right? And yeah, uh, your, yeah, first, your opening chapter really does a great job of setting the table, uh, to use a metaphor in that regard. And um, just speak a little bit to that. Um, I, I was so encouraged by that when I first read the book, it just caught me. And so just um, w w flesh that out just a little bit to know, to obey and to love. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that that trifold emphasis is really important to understand when we're thinking about what is our goal with our children, whether it be from the perspective of church leadership or the perspective of parents. Because my my concern that I'm trying to lay out in the book is is a of course we want our we want to lead our children to Christ. You know, any God fearing pastor or parent is, wants that. But what I what I see largely in many churches and families today is a lack of understanding of uh, how we lead them to Christ is just as important as leading them to Christ. Yes. It's almost like we want to lead them to Christ. And so whatever it takes, whatever, me whatever methodology, you know, whether it be cartoons and puppets and, you know, whatever it takes, we're going to do that. And I'm trying to show people, no, it, it also matters how we lead them and why that matters is because our goal is not just to fill our children's heads with biblical knowledge. We want to do that. That is the first step. But we also ultimately want them to obey God, to live for God. We all we all know people who have a lot of theological intellectual knowledge, but their lives are characterized by sin. We, we don't want that for our children. So there's got to be a connection between intellectual comprehension of biblical truth and then actually living out that truth. And what I argue from the scripture is that the bridge between the head and the hands is the heart, is our love for God. And how we shape our children's loves is critically important. Mm -hmm. And that's largely what we're talking about when we talk about something like worship. In worship, we certainly are informing our children's minds and, of course, our own. And our goal is for, for a life of worship, a life of obedience to God and conformity to his law. But in worship, what we're really doing is we're forming our children's hearts, their imagination of who God is. And so methodology matters. Uh, if if our methodology is teaching our children that that the Christian life is just fun and games and frivolity and and immaturity, then we are actually shaping their conception of worship and ultimately their conception of God in an, in a way that's not actually in conformity with Scripture, 
and in a way uh, that will not lead them to lives that are they're following after God. So I, I, you're right. I lay that foundation in that first chapter, building off of the Shema, uh, the, where, where the greatest commandment is not just intellectual knowledge, and the greatest commandment is not just obey the law. The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God. That certainly involves right beliefs, theology, mind. And its goal, again, is conformity to God's law, a life lived in in relationship with God. But that key component is love. And, and so I wanted to set that as the, the starting framework when we're going to talk about worship, whether in church or at home. Our goal is not just that it be theologically accurate, although we want it to be. Our goal is, and our concern ought to be, how are we forming and shaping our children's loves because that is of primary importance. Yeah, and and I get it for, um, for, for parents. It's um, it's easy just for the the head knowledge because it's uh it's tangible. Like right then, you know, they can memorize the scripture, they can say the catechism, they can do this and do that, and um, and it it, it makes them feel good, or it um, and um, or, or it gives it, it gives a the idea that they're, they're they're doing good and which that is good so don't don't hear me not say that right, right. But, uh yeah. but there there is a it's got to come here to, to here and so um i, I can definitely see where uh where, where that falls into play and uh i'm sure we yeah. all easily done that at some point in our life and of course you know we're we're talking as baptists here and that the the true love for for god comes after regeneration right we know that that's that's where we're leading them to. We want them to have a conversion. Uh, we want them to have a new birth. Um, but you can teach them in a way. And I love this because sometimes we can think about these two things are separate. They can't be taught how to love God if they don't know him in a, a regenerate way. But I think that we, and you make a good case that we we can model it. And what they see in a worship service modeled by true Christians, true believers when they see a Christian, like their parent, or maybe another adult or something like that, would be worshiping the Lord in a true and authentic way, in a, in a real in a real way, um, they hear the preaching of the word. And maybe it doesn't resonate with them as an unregenerate mind, as it would with a regenerate mind, but they're still being formed. They're still, they're right. still coming to conclusions about this or that. And the parents' right. job, I think what you're trying to say is the parents' job is to help guide that process, um, right. put boundaries around that, um, protect that in a sense, and and lead them in a particular direction versus just kind of right. letting them yeah. figure things out on their own. Yeah, I, I think this has tripped up Baptists, you know, in particular, because we do believe, like you said, that, you know, you and I argue this, you can't you can't truly worship until you are a regenerate believer. You're not a Christian until you actually put personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so what that's often led Baptists then to 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 say, it maybe explicitly, but for sure implicitly, is that we don't we don't then really even need to teach our children how to worship. We don't need to worry about anything with our children except teaching them the gospel because we want them to come to conversion and then maybe later after they express faith then we can deal with this other, you know this other stuff and i'm arguing biblically speaking and even just from a perspective of how children learn and grow that is not the, the correct way of thinking 
we yeah. can begin to form, you know, uh, again, form their imagination of who God is and what it means to appropriately approach him in worship, we can begin to form and shape those things even before they come to faith. So that when they do come to faith, the, all of those things are already in place. And, and really what, what it also means is that when they come to faith, they're actually truly coming to faith to the biblical God, yes. not some cartoon recreation of God that, you know, that they're just, you know, we're, we're leading them to pray a prayer. No, they, they have been formed and shaped through the early years of their life to recognize God as the sovereign creator and ruler of all things who deserves reverent worship. And so when they actually then recognize themselves as sinners who are under the condemnation of God, uh, they they come to true faith. All of those please, uh, pieces are already in place, and then it's not an impediment yeah. uh, to to true biblical worship. One of, one of my biggest burdens, and this is often true in a lot of Baptist churches, is we sort of entertain our children, you know, all growing up with puppet shows and entertainment, and then they go to youth group and we entertain them some more. And of course, we're we're hoping to give them biblical truth and lead them to Christ. And then all of a sudden, one day, we expect them just to grow up and, you know, come on into adult worship and and sort of just appreciate it. And we've actually hindered them from recognizing what true biblical reverent worship is. And so what often happens is they fall away. Uh, they either fall away because they never truly put their faith in Christ, or, you know, why is it that that even adult worship continues to get more and more entertainment oriented and more and more immature. Well, it's because we've shaped our children to expect that. And so of course when they get into, you know, when they get into their 20s and 30s, why why would they expect anything different when we have shaped them to expect entertainment in church? What I'm arguing is even before they come to faith, we want to teach and shape their conception of what true biblical worship is Amen. so that when they do come to faith, they, they're already prepared then for what mature Christianity and what mature Christian worship ought to be like. Yeah, which is what I, I appreciate about that, uh, the, the chapter that practice makes perfect. Um, mm -hmm. And because uh, I've, I've dealt, with, dealt with this a lot lately and, um, you know, some of my, my dad's, uh, they just don't know where to start. And, um, and yeah. so we ha having a bookstore, uh, dad asked me. And so I grabbed a book and, um, it was a, a children's Bible. I said, just read this every night. And there's three questions in the back, you know, and ask those three questions. And, uh, mm -hmm. even if it, even if it's just three times a week, you know, s start with something simple and start with that. And, um, and, um, and even with our children being in the, uh, the service, the, we do the, um, Lord's Supper last Sunday of the month, and um, and I remember my child's. Uh, we had a like a cup up there and a, a fake piece of bread, and you know he was asking questions about that, and so that was a great conversation after church of of the Lord's Supper and and, and what that means, and and yeah. even for parents to realize uh, it's it's okay to pass that plate, pass your child, and they say they want one, and that's a good a good thing because it opens up the conversation of of the Amen. Lord's Supper. So, yeah. um, right. And so, so I, I, I see what you're talking about of using all those little things, even in their, you know, four years old to, to help, uh, even if they're not regenerated to, to start that conversation and start that, uh, the life of worship. Yep. Yeah. And, um, the, 
the I think it was on the practice makes perfect chapter. Um, I'm a musician as well. And so the um, I think you used an illustration where one of your children was learning an instrument and you had become so familiar with that instrument about how to play the instrument. But yet you were not able to play it, but you had the conceptual knowledge of that instrument, but you had had no uh, playing time, no rehearsal time. And so right. you could talk about that instrument. You could describe how it's built and how it ought to be played well and position and, you know, all those things. And I, so as a musician, I appreciate yeah. that illustration in the book. Yeah, <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of our children in our churches end up this way, where we, we teach them perhaps good intellectual truths. And so they can spout off all the yeah. theology and they can they can tell you what the gospel is and all of that, which I don't want to minimize that. That's important. Right. Yeah, but yeah, unless yeah. they're actually practicing these things, we're we're helping them to form these habits of worship in their lives, it's not actually going to impact how they live. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, so let's let's move forward a little bit in the book. And um, so chapter four, you lay out two fundamental principles on pages 44 or 45 and 46. And specifically, I just want you to talk about you, you root some of your argument in the book in Psalm 78. And of course, this is also hearkening back to Deuteronomy 6 as well. So these two texts specifically, um, although, you know, it's it was you know Deuteronomy six is Moses to the nation of Israel and the fathers there in their homes, and that has a particular context of course. And then Psalm seventy eight is a similar context. But talk a little bit about the biblical and I, you already have, but uh, draw out those two texts just for a moment for us and see yeah. where we have the biblical precedent for not only filling our kids' heads with right truth, right, <laughs> but mm -hmm. there's an action involved in calling our children to remember the works of the Lord and how do they remember? Yeah. Because not only they've been taught them, but they've experienced them. They've seen the Lord work. Yeah. They've been a part of his work. Um, it's just a, a wonderful little, so speak a little bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're right. You know, the, the, the Shema of Deuteronomy six, and of course, Psalm 78, which is recounting Israel's history. You know, those do have specific historical context within the life of Israel. But I think it's important for us to recognize that even in the New Testament, for instance, when Paul gives instructions to, to parents, you know, to bring up your children in the discipline yeah. and instruction of the Lord, that kind of terminology, those concepts are rooted in the very same ideas yeah, amen. Of, right. of, of habitual, <laughs> regular reminding of your children about who God is and what he has done in, you know, in redemptive history past generally, and then specifically in, you know, in our own lives, in our own church's life, in our own family's life. And so that, you know, that first fundamental principle that I'm laying out there is this necessity of the regularity of it, uh, forming our children. I mean, this is really all of these concepts that we're, that I'm talking about with our children is true for our own sanctification as well sanctification, conversion, shaping of our hearts and minds does not happen in sort of spurts. It happens in regular, progressive, you know, uh, um, uh, confrontation with biblical truth or exposure to biblical truth or being reminded of the works of the Lord. And so that's true for us as Christians and our sanctification. It's true for us as we form and shape our children, hopefully leading them to conversion by the power of the Spirit through his word. 
Uh, and then once our children are converted, helping them grow in that maturity. It requires the regularity, uh, which is why God in the Old Testament established some of those services of memorial, those festivals. They were intended to be regularly occurring reminders to the entire nation and then also even to the children of the people of, of God's work. And so it's not surprising. I mean, I love, you know, it's your your emphasis on making sure that that your children are at the Lord's table when you observe it. Because it's not uh, it's not a coincidence that Jesus said, "Do this in remembrance of me." That is the same in Greek terminology that God used in the Old Testament to describe the yes. the memorial festivals and services of Israel. Yes, and the idea there is not just an intellectual recollection of things, although that's true, but the idea of a of a memorial biblically is an acting out of the works of God. Those Old Testament festivals like Passover was a reenactment of God's deliverance of the people from Egypt and the Exodus. And in the same way, the table in particular, this is true of, of all of, uh, of a worship service, but the table in particular is a visual ritual reenactment of the fact that sinners have been delivered from the bondage of sin by the broken body and shed blood of, of Christ. Man. And so even by our children observing that and, and participating even just from a perspective of, of, of observers, they're not partaking of the elements, that's forming them, that's shaping them. It's certainly opening up conversations like both of you men mentioned, but it's also shaping them to learn you know, through these regular practices the their need of deliverance and the fact that deliverance from sin comes from the broken body and shed blood of Christ. So that, that that's that's the emphasis I'm trying to pull out there is is the yeah. necessity of the regularity of this, right? Both in Lord's Day worship and in the regular practices that we engage in in family worship at home. Yeah, that just uh, it's good. It, it is good because we, um, you know, we. At the church, we read through a, a book of the Bible on Sunday morning. You know, uh, uh, one of the men will come up and and read a, a chapter, or you know, less you know, less than that, whatever the, the length is. But um, for our kids to see and our parents to to realize that we do that on purpose, you know, not, not only because it's the yeah. Word of God, but to, for the kids to see that, that there's a, there's authority there in, in the reading of God's Word, and and hopefully the parents see that, and they're doing the same thing at home throughout the week. And um, right. you said they're forming them, you know, throughout the week. And then, boom, we see it again on, on Sunday. And so, um, yeah, it just, it just got me thinking of uh, why we do what we do. And um, and and I, and I guess that's our job to communicate to the people why we do what we do. And um, that it's not something we just, you know, come out of thin air. But, you know, there's purpose to to the Sunday worship and and trying to help come alongside them to to lead throughout the week. Yep. Yeah, and we try to have um, a variety of even just speaking of the scripture readings, just in our worship service, we have a variety of so we'll have a psalm, we'll have um, a reading in the in the Gospels, we'll have a more of a direct command from the New Testament read some sort of a Pauline or um, Petrine uh, command sort of thing. And then we'll also uh, sometimes have another Old Testament reading in our service. Uh, on top of the sermon of the day, you know, what's we're going through Romans yeah. right now. And so um, even that is, you know, some people can just be like, man, they just read a bunch of scripture and we just want to sing or something. And, you know, it's, 
like, why do they read the Bible so much? You know, and it's man, the word is what we have. If if we don't have that, we have nothing. We have no reason to right. gather right now if we're not here gathering around the word of God, which is our sustenance in our life, right? Yeah, um, that yeah. that's what God has promised to use, and that's what God has promised to bless. Is the Amen. word? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, let's let's switch. So you have the book um, in two parts, and the second part is very practical, and I'm inclined to kind of say that that's probably the most helpful of the entire resource. The theology is very good there, of course, but man, the tips that you offer and the uh, you you talk to like parents. You talk to pastors, but you also talk to other congregants that may not have children. Mm -hmm. And you kind of hit everyone that might be involved in the worship service or just in the life of the church in general. And how the whole church, from the pulpit to the pew, to use that terminology, can come around families and their children and help to form and shape these young these young minds um, and and bring them along. So um I, I, you know, chapter five and six, you had some, some tips for worship in the church and worship in the home. And just, I just kind of want to popcorn this section. Um, yeah. What have you found? Actually, I would love to ask you a question here. Um, in, in the places that you've been to speak, um, since writing this book, since talking about this, have you had any feedback that's been a recurring feedback of, um, a particular concern or a particular difficulty with parents or otherwise with this concept um just anything that might have been occurring that you've you've seen come up multiple times yeah i mean probably the biggest thing would would be you know parents just kind of don't they don't know where to start or they think it has to be complicated you know they, they hear family worship and they get intimidated where i'm just trying to emphasize over and over again throughout the book regularity is the most important thing Amen. and then just you know bringing the bible to your children so even if you just read a couple verses and you pray together and you sing a hymn that that is powerfully potent in your children's life um it doesn't have to be complicated it doesn't have to be a five-point sermon and you know an hour-long service um it can be short it can be it, it can be uh simple um, it can be reading the Bible and, you know, maybe that's even it. You don't, you don't have, you don't have to give a, a long discourse or, you know, a, a right. sermon. I think some parents are intimidated because they, they feel like, well, I don't, you know, I can read the Bible, but I don't, I don't, maybe I don't have anything to say about what we read or, you know, what if my kid asks me a question about something and listen, I, I have a PhD in theology. I, I, I'm a seminary professor. My kids ask me questions sometimes, you know, about what we just read. And I go, you know, I'm not sure. And there's no, there, that's not something to apologize about. Uh, and in fact, that kind of humility is also powerfully formative for your kids. And then, right. so maybe you can go together and you can pull a resource off the shelf or open up Google and, and search it together. You know, why did this particular, you know, strange thing happen in the life of Israel or whatever? Um, there, there's value to that as well. It can open up conversations. It makes your children inquisitive. It makes them want to search out answers in the scriptures. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. Parents are intimidated. They don't quite know what this ought to look like, and they think more complicated about it than it really needs to be. Yes. Yeah. Jared and I have talked about that. Jared, do you have any input on that before we move on? No, I I, I would, I would agree with that. And, um, 
I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. Of you know, you know the the, the feeling like it's complicated. And uh, but but I think that that is true. That um, uh, it's almost they need to help understand that. And gosh, there's so many good resources out there today. Uh, but right. to, uh, just even start a couple times a week, or even if you feel intimidated with praying out loud, you know, if they fall asleep and then, you know, go into the room and pray over them and, um, and, and out loud. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I'm sure there's so many uh, practical things that we could talk about. And, uh, but I, I do agree with that. That is what I see true of the intimidation of, of trying to step into that and trying to do it. Yeah. And I, I want to just echo what you said a little bit earlier about this for encouragement, because all of the details surrounding this conversation can change according to situation, but the mm-hmm. regularity and consistency for your family um, in the life of your family already, that is what's going to be, I think, the most impactful. So everyone's got their own pace of life Absolutely. happening. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. some it's, families are are double income, mom and dad are working, some are not. And I'm even thinking of maybe like a single parent, a single mom with a couple of kids, you know, and and being really intimidated with this you know, with all the pressures of life happening, but is that still, you know, is, is she still, even in her, her way, uh, whatever she can do, is she still tasked with the role of bringing her children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? And we would say, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to look the yep. same as another situation that's not, uh, that she does, that they don't have the same struggles she might be having, to put it yeah. that way. Right. And so regularity and consistency in a in a habitual way for your family's context as a listener so i'm talking to you whoever's listening to this um that would be the most crucial factor of this and all of the detail how how much time you spend when you meet how often uh what resources i mean those can come later yeah. um, and so um don't feel and, overwhelmed and i hope when, when people read sources resources like the book or they hear this they have to read that Every culture is a little different, you know. Every time the the family life looks different, and uh, you know, like you said, Grandma maybe is raising them, and so yeah. uh, Scott, you do a good job of when you say uh, on page seventy about walking by the way, you know, maybe looking at morning time or meal times or holidays or coming of age, and so um, uh, don't feel intimidated that um, uh, you know use those natural things that come up to yes. Um, right. in, in the everyday life to, to, to use them. And just because I'm doing one of them, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work necessarily for uh, another family. And, and so I, just, I hope it's encouragement for uh, people when they hear this, they think that everything that we talk about, they have to implement it <laughs> right then. And right. Uh, no, right. th- this is just good conversation starter, especially for own people to come back to us as elders and help us, let us help you walk you through that and, uh, and, and talk through that. So yeah. Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to encourage parents and families to just think think intentionally about how scripture and relationship with God and rearing our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord can permeate the entirety of our lives. Yeah. You know, I think there's value in having a dedicated time of family worship, you know, sometime right. during the day, but even that alone is not a magic bullet. Uh, yeah. and so, so that's yeah. why I'm trying to emphasize use Use meal time. Use various stages in in your child's life. Use holidays. Use you know all of these different aspects. Just be intentional about it. There's no one right. again magic bullet or right way to do these things. 
I just am trying to help parents think intentionally that we're not just Christians on Sunday or Christians on Sunday and for the 20 minutes of family worship. We're Christians all through the week. And so we're going to be intentional about ways in which we can uh, influence our children, help them develop, develop spiritual habits, help lead them to Christ in all sorts of different ways within the life of a, of a family. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And again, to reiterate as Baptists, us doing this, it can be a little confusing because um, at the end of the day, it's uh, our child's soul is in the Lord's hands, not in our own in, in that sense mm-hmm. of salvation and security in him. So we do this under a conviction of with an evangelistic uh, motive. Our our motive, at least I know if I can speak for myself, is highly evangelistic with my children um, in, in a sense of all of these different components are wanting to aim at their heart and, and uh, their, their faith in the Lord for salvation. Um, and I think that a freeing thing is that whether you have success or failure in the house, at the dinner table, or at on the couch, reading a book, maybe it just goes to chaos and it's just not working. That ch- your child's soul is not ultimately dependent on your <laughs> success or failure during family worship, or you know, okay. God's using you in a mighty way, and you probably have no idea even, and you probably won't see the fruit of that for many years. Um, mm-hmm. So that can be an, a freeing thing and an encouraging thing. So just press on. Um, if you don't, I've told Jared this, and we've talked about this prior, but if you don't start, if you if you don't do anything right now, start with one thing. And if you're doing one thing now, maybe add something to it. And maybe you have mm-hmm. a habit, get creative with that habit. So whatever stage, I guess what I'm saying that you're in, in this, um, start small and, and, you know, move forward with whatever the pace of your life is with your family. That's naturally kind yeah. of fit in with, with what you've got going on. So, um, cause you know, this week, uh, talking to a man and man, I've, I've come across so many men who, um, uh, they love their dad, but their dad never told them that they love them or never gave them a hug or anything. And so, I mean, that's where they're coming from. Like even having to start to, you know, tell their children that they love them, you know, give them hugs and uh, show them affection. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then to try to get them to start reading to their children, praying with them. And so um, it, it is. Oh, Jared, I think we lost you for a sec. Are you still there? He's frozen. He is frozen uh, in time. Know, moving forward. Hey Jared, would you oh, would you back up? Sorry, back. lost you. Okay. On your end, back up and say what you just said again. All of it, or did you hear any of it? Start start over again. <laughs> I was saying that, um, you know, having a conversations the last three months with with men and how a lot of them, um, they're though they still have a relationship with their dad. For a lot of them, they don't even uh, they never got a hug from their dad. They never got a, a love you from your from their dad, and um, and so uh, no wonder they. Um, they're even having to start there of understanding, you know, telling their children they love them and, and having affection and um, and then trying to help them move towards uh, opening up the word of God to to read some scripture or to to help them pray and help them think through that. And so um, it's just interesting, even uh, just being involved with with families lives to see how um, their past relationships affects, you know, um, 
with their children and their relationship, with their wives and the home, and the family. So. Yeah. And that is a real factor as a real factor. Um, I mean, like for me personally, um, raised in my formative years and like from age nine to 14, 15, 16, in those really crucial years that a boy needs his father didn't have one. My mom raised us, um, uh, as a single mom. And that was a really, really difficult time. And so, um, I can relate to that in one sense because I have a 10 year old now and I'm in uncharted mm -hmm. territories because I never had a dad in the home when I was 10 or 11 or 12. And so I'm trusting in the Lord that, uh, he will lead me to, to do what I need to do, but I do not have those memories of, man, I wish, you know, my dad did this for me, or he, he brought me along. Or I remember my dad with his Bible open on the couch. I mean, even as a younger boy, that wasn't my dad. My, my dad was a workaholic. Um, yeah. and, uh, he lived for work. And so that's all, that's really what I remember of him. And it's, that's really unfortunate. Um, but the, the point of that is, is some these conversations, uh, they seem kind of simple maybe to some, but even going back a step is initiating just that relationship from a father in the home of how to, how to initiate a loving relationship first, and then going into this teaching them the Bible and, and walking with them through scripture. I mean, there's a lot there. So it, I certainly can see how it could be intimidating. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and, the, and the encouragement is, as we've been saying, it's really at its essence, not complicated. Right. If you just absolutely. Kids. And if you're just there and faithful and open the word of God and read some verses and pray, you know, that in and of itself, and yes. especially the regularity of that. Yep. Uh, is is really what's going to be formative for your kids, and and there's so and there's so many resources today to help too, which is uh, which is wonderful, you know. Yeah. And I try to include a lot of those in the book, um, books you can read through with your kids at at various uh, you know ages and stages. Um, so there's really there's really no excuse. Just be faithful. Just love your kids and 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 you know open the word of God with them, and that's that's going to have a powerful influence over time in in the lives and hearts of your children yeah praise god jared you got any closing thoughts uh no i you, you're right no children love to be read out loud to and um mm -hmm. especially I've, I've heard you know lightly where um the, the dads have been reading out loud and they'll miss a day and their kids are very fast to say hey are you gonna read to us and um you yeah. know even if it's just uh literature um, outside of the word of God or outside of the Christian faith or, um, or even some, some great, uh, Christian books or, or, or the, or the Bible, they love to be read out loud. And, um, it's, it's a, it can be a good thing. I understand it might not happen every night, uh, but there is something to, you know, reading out loud and, um, just yep. a natural thing. Once again, that, um, uh, that, that we can do as, as dads, as moms and in, in, in the household. Yeah, I can't I can't emphasize that highly enough. Start when they're young and then keep it going. I just read right. to my 16-year-old son last night. Yeah. Um we we kept it going and it it opens up conversations, you know, especially when they reach the teenage years and and you know, it might be weird and awkward to just out of the blue have a conversation about something. If you've already established those patterns earlier, then it's it's just organic. They've come they yeah. come to expect it. And yeah. uh, and it's really important for keeping those lines of communication open, for dealing with, 
sin issues or just as as I'm doing with my son, thinking about five, six years down the road marriage already, you know, right. talking about what he needs to be as a man and what he needs to look for in a, in a godly young woman. These are conversations you need to have with your kids. They mm. can be awkward if they're just pulled out of thin air. But if you've already established those habits when they're young, um, you know, that that really helps as they grow yeah. older. Yeah, that's that's great. I think that's a good way to end the episode today. And um, yeah, just listener, if you've you've heard this and you've heard some of our other episodes, Jared and I did a couple of episodes about family worship uh, last month. And if you've been listening and you have questions, don't forget, come on, come and find us. And we're happy to sit down and um, chat and just talk about what would work best for you and your family and help you through that. Um, we have our resource center, Faith at Home, here at the church. It's a small bookstore, and I mean, it is a great place to begin. I don't know, Jared, how many books do we have in our bookstore? 200? Probably 200, so, yeah. At least 200, and we've got all sorts of things. We've got everything from systematic theology to uh, books on family worship to Christian biographies to uh, everything in the middle, devotionals and and all of that, and so um, we want to be a resource to you. So don't don't lose heart. Um, start if you haven't. And if you have, look at, at maybe what could, could become um, the next phase of that for you and your family. Um, but that's it for today's episode. Thank you once again for taking the time to listen to the Asking for a Friend podcast. And we hope that it has been a blessing to you. Before you go, like or share this podcast, please, um, with a friend or a family member. Um, that you think would also benefit from it and pass this along. We want this content to be a benefit to the local church. And lastly, don't forget that if you have a question that you'd like us to consider uh, talking through on an episode, go to our website, bbcemory.org. And you can go to the media tab. And at the bottom of the page, there's a box that you can um, email us a question that we could potentially look for in a future podcast episode. But until next time, as usual, grace and peace be with you all.